Mac Power Users, episode 492, All of the K's. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined, of course, by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you today? Wow, you just came out of the gate really excited. Oh, you know, I was just thinking about you, Steve, and I got an email from a listener telling me about how much they love having you on the show. And we all miss Katie. I was just texting her this week. But, the, uh, but you know, I'm hearing from a lot of folks that really like having you on the show, and I was just thinking how nice it is to be podcasting with you. It is nice. I'm having a really good time. This is kind of like our, you know, I've been on six months now, and yeah, I'm loving it. I really am. Yeah. So we have a bunch of feedback and a bunch of topics to get to today, but this is the last episode that will go out before MacStock. So if you have been sitting on your hands thinking about an MPU 500 question that I can ask of David live on stage with no preparation on his part, now's the time to uh, get that to me. There's uh, a thread over in the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com, or you can just tweet with the hashtag MPU500, and uh, I'll see it. Or you can send me an email. You can do that, too. I've been collecting those up, but uh, I would love to have even more. So uh, let me know what I could spring on David with, like I said, no prep on his part. I am like kind of nervous. Every time you bring this up, Just I feel like a little palpitation of sort. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a not professional. Sure. I got you. All you're, right. You're safe. Uh, speaking of Mac stock, if you're attending, please make sure to say hello to Stephen and I. And um, it's a really fun conference. The way they do the conference is lots of gaps, so everybody gets time to talk to each other. We're all a group of nerds. Make sure to say hello. And if you're thinking about attending, you can still get a ticket. And if you use the code MacSparky, you get some sort of discount. I think you get like the the early bird pricing. So if you're still thinking about going, Woodstock, Illinois, later this week. I'm really looking forward to it. Something else I thought I'd just put in the announcements. I, you know, I just want to toot my horn. I was in the Mac App Store, Stephen. <laughs> you sure were. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just totally crazy. They, uh, they do features on developers, and now they want to do some features on some power users. So they asked me about it, and I'm like, sure. And I was thinking, this will probably never happen. <laughs> you know. And then one day, there I was. Yeah. So if you missed that, there's a, I've got a link in the show notes to your blog post about it. App Store links are kind of weird, but uh, you can open it and see uh, see it on kind of part of it on the web, but then it'll open in the Mac App Store. It's super cool. Look how handsome you are in this orange shirt, and you you know you got your microphone, oh, and I see the K base bell. The K base bell made it into the Mac App Store. Yes, it did. I was so happy. In fact, that's the headline here. One of the pictures they took of me was of me ringing the K base bell. I said, if that's the one they use, Stephen mm-hmm. is going to be so happy. That's just going to make his day. I'm just glad it's here. We can see it. So th- this was really cool. It talks about some of the apps you use. Yay! There it is. Said the word. Yeah. Yeah, it's close enough. Anyways, it's super awesome. Congratulations again. I'm so proud of you for this. It's really awesome. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm sure it was very surreal to have that done. And I had no idea. Then one day it was just there. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. I'm in the App Store. Were you checking the Mac App Store like every day? Seeing if no, it, I no. I'd honestly kind of forgot about it. <laughs> and, you know, because there's a lead time for these things. And, sure. You know, you, you move on to the next thing. And then all of a sudden, whoa, hey, look at that. You're, you're just, you're so busy. You just forgot, you know, that you were in the, <laughs> the Mac App Store. I, I, I didn't want to, you know what? I, I didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to like Fair. count on it happening. Like... I could see at some point somebody in Apple saying, wait, 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 not that guy. Not that guy. 
somebody else. You know? Well, it's really awesome. You should go check it out if you haven't. Uh, so we are, you know, it's the end of July. We are deep into beta season. And I thought we could do a check-in. So as of our recording, Developer Beta 4, Public Beta 3, they're both out now. And uh, how's it going over there at, at uh, Sparky HQ? Um, well, on iOS and Mac, I'm sorry, iOS and iPadOS, mm-hmm. at this point, I'm all in. I have no devices left on iOS Including 12. your your carry phone. My carry phone. Oh, I'll boy. have it with me. If you're, if you're at Mac stock, you want to see iOS 13? I'll show it to you. It's on my phone and two iPads. So it's uh, it's all the way down, baby, all the way down. Uh, and I, I really don't have that many complaints. There's a few things that don't work. The, um, you know, because I'm me, the Disneyland app doesn't work. But that happens every year because I usually like put my ticket on it and do fast passes on the app. Mm-hmm. But they've got something legacy in their code where every year their app doesn't work until right before or shortly after the new iOS releases. You know, it's a, I think it's one of these things where they built something into it at the beginning and now they have to deal with it every year. That's one of the very few apps that's not working. Now we are on developer beta four, which has solved a bunch of the problems that I was having. For instance, um, I had I had submitted a lot of um, uh, bug reports this year. I've been trying to be more conscious of about every time I have one. And one of the things Apple's done now with the feedback app, and this is true on the public beta as well, is you can just record a video. You know, they have a built-in basically screencasting thing on the phone. Right. Shoot a video and you could submit it with a bug. Like um, in the mail application, the print button was just turned off up until beta four of the um, of the developer beta. So if I wanted to turn an email into a PDF, with the native mail app, I couldn't do that until very recently. Um, there was some wonkiness with shortcuts, which got so many updates. So there was a bunch of, of little bugs, and, and a lot of them I noticed in iOS 4. I'm sorry, iOS 13 beta 4 have got squashed, but there's there's still a few. Mm-hmm. It, seems, it seems seems like they've turned the corner at this point, though. I, uh, I have thoughts on Catalina beta, but I'm going to save that for later in the show. I've got something else to talk about later in the show. But it's not on my iMac, of course. So the I don't have that much experience with Catalina. The experience I do have, which I'll talk about later, is pretty ugly. <laughs> I, I'm kind of where I was last time we did our check-in. I have the public beta on my iPad. I agree with you. It's only been out for a little while, but it feels a lot more stable than the previous beta. So that's good. I was, I was seeing some iCloud issues. Some people were seeing a lot of iCloud issues and uh, Apple's own release notes. And then I think what people are seeing... Uh, that seems to be mostly cleared up, which is good. You know, things like notes not syncing or docs being duplicated, that sort of thing. That seems to be um, a lot calmer. I have spent, I think, more time with Catalina than you have. It's still pretty rough. Th- there's so much under the hood with macOS this year that that's not surprising to me. Right? They have all the stuff to make iPad apps work. They're getting rid of all the 32-bit stuff. There's a lot going on. I want to point people to this really cool Mac app that I found by way of, of Macworld, actually, called Go64. I've got a link in the show notes. As we've discussed, people may know, 32-bit Mac apps will not run on Catalina. This was this has been foretold by Apple for a couple of years now. But older 32-bit apps, uh, just they're not going to run on Catalina. And so Go64 is a free Mac app, and it is designed to show you all your 32-bit apps. Or, in the case of like Final Cut Pro 10. 64-bit apps but have, that have 32-bit dependencies, either within the app or a framework somewhere. 
and you can go and actually use the app to like total up the cost it would co- it would be to upgrade to new versions of software that sort of thing. It's really well featured. It's free. It's donationware, so you can uh, pass a couple bucks to the developer if you want. But it's pretty cool. You can do that in System Profiler on the Mac and like get the big app list and sort it. But Go64, I think, is a lot nicer way to do it. So I have it downloaded. And on my, I haven't run it on my iMac Pro. I ran it on my laptop this morning. And I found about 30 or so, 32-bit apps. Most of them were like little parts of the Adobe Creative Cloud suite. You know, there's like little utilities, uninstallers, not apps that I actually interact with, but parts of that system. And there's still a bunch of 32-bit stuff in there. I had a couple other apps that honestly I didn't even know were on my laptop still, you know, that I just made it from migration to migration. I think a lot of users will be just fine in this, but I think this is worth running before you jump to Catalina this fall just to see if there's something that's really critical in your workflow that is going to uh, be a problem. And if you know about it in advance, you can make plans. So I'd recommend people go check out Go64. Steven, I just loaded it and started while you while you were talking, and I'm watching the total number like climb as it's as it's it, it, it's at 400, Stephen, and it's still going. 400 uh, total apps. 682. Oh my gosh! All right, I'm gonna what run my that? I'm gonna run mine on my iMac, and we'll. But, we but can then compare. when I show the applications, there aren't that many. Uh, so let's see. I got you know like Pathfinder. That surprises me. Maybe I don't have the most recent one. Let's see. All Jedi right, Knight I'm, Two. Haven't played that one in years. That <laughs> can go. This is a good tool to remind you of things that you didn't remember you had installed. Band in the box. I love band in a box. I can't lose band in the box. All right. Anyway, so I, I I've got a couple apps here I need to work on. I've got quite a few. Anyway, okay. Uh, so. Yeah, guys, you might want to check this. <laughs> yeah, I was looking through this list like, oh no, there's a lot of things in my iMac. Yeah. Uh, go check that out. So yeah, be we're, we're going to talk more about the road to Catalina and iOS 13, iPad OS 13, as the date gets closer. We don't want to do that too soon because things are still in flux. But this is something I think that's worth checking out now because you can just run it on High Sierra or Mojave, whatever you're on, and get an idea of things you may need to address before jumping to Catalina later. Yeah, we are definitely planning on giving some coverage to the new operating systems and and maybe even a show on the transition because since we're going from 32 to 64, uh, this is a year that is fraught with peril, especially for Mac users. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do a review this year, Stephen? So I've been User? I've been thinking a lot about this. You and I have talked about this offline. I don't think I have a full macOS review in me. Just looking at my schedule between now and let's say the end of September, mid-September when this comes out, I've got a lot of travel and I don't think that's in the cards. But what I want to do and what I've been working on kind of behind the scenes is a series of articles about Catalina to release on the way up to it. So reviewing some of the new applications, talking about some of the changes and really kind of having a series as opposed to a full-blown review it's probably the same number of words, honestly, but it feels much more manageable. And I think it's maybe even more interesting because with a review, I, I feel at least, I'm just, maybe it's just me, you know, I've, I've done four or five or six Mac OS reviews over the years. They're all, you can go find them on 512pixels. And they have a, a very um, consistent, like, path through them, like talking about things that are new, system requirements, things that have changed, grab bag stuff. And I feel like I'm kind of locked into that template. I like that template. I'm not complaining. If I do another macOS review in the future, I will go. I will use that form again. That sort of that sort of outline again. But I think with Catalina, the interesting stuff 
kind of deserves a little more breathing room. And I think that I could do an article, say, about the security stuff in Catalina or about the iPad apps and kind of go into more detail than I would feel like would be appropriate in a review and kind of pick and choose what I want to cover. So that's my plan. I don't have a complete list yet. I'm still kind of working on that. But that's my plan at this point is, is a series of articles talking about various aspects of Catalina, not necessarily a review of the OS itself. Yeah, I um I had a great plan. You know, it's been years since I updated the photos field guide. Apple's been continuing to update it. And I thought this is the year I'm going to do an update to the photos field guide and have that ready to go in September when they launch all the new operating systems with the cool new photos tricks. And I want to go like deeper than I did the first time. I'm going to talk about taking photos and some photos apps. It's going to be more than just Apple photos. It's I'm going to try and address the idea of taking and managing pictures with Apple stuff. And um, so I had it outlined and ready to go. And then I showed up in San Jose and Apple rewrote shortcuts. You know, it's not like a few changes that I could cover with an update to the existing shortcuts field guide. In fact, um, the shortcuts field guide, they changed the UI and the way you make variables and everything changed. So mm-hmm. um it, it took me a couple days to work through the four stages of grief. And then I realized I have to make an entirely new shortcuts field guide. It's like, I can't just update. I have to start from scratch. So, so I'm doing two, I'm doing a shortcuts field guide and a photos field guide. The The shortcuts field guide will be ready on launch day. I'm already, I want to say halfway done with it. I've been working very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the photos one, I don't think will be ready on launch day, but it'll be ready like shortly after. And um, I don't want to say how shortly because I still have a lot of work to do. But, <laughs> TBD. Yeah. Um, but so I'm I'm really busy because of it. But the uh, but the new shortcuts is amazing. We're going to cover a bunch of it on the show here. And um, and I know I feel bad making a new guide after I sold one last year. So I, I put a newsletter this week. I'm going to make a discount for people who bought the one last year um, of some sort. I haven't figured all that out yet. But the, there will be a discount if you bought it last year. But the um, but I had to, you know, I have to make a brand new field guide. So I'm busy. I remember you and I, you and I have been talking about that. I think it's the right way to go because it's in some ways shortcuts is like fundamentally different than it has been in the past. Now, I would say it's way better, yeah. but fundamentally different. And of course, with UI changes, you'd have to touch every single section anyways, because your screenshots and videos would be wrong. <laughs> but I think you're doing the right thing. And I'm really encouraged that Apple continues to push shortcuts so hard. You know, iOS is not my primary OS, but when I'm on it, when I'm using my iPad for work, when I'm on my iPhone, shortcuts is something I touch pretty often because it makes things, you know, just like automation on the Mac, it makes things that you do repeatedly a lot faster and a lot more reliable. And it's really cool to see Apple continuing to bake it and continuing to give it resources. And I think that team is just doing spectacular work. It's better on every level. It's easier to use. So if you've never made shortcuts before, they've made it more accessible. It's deeper in the operating system. It's got more tools and toys to play with. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. We we just did an episode, if you want to listen to another podcast on that, um, Automators episode 27, we'll put a link in the show notes, is um, a deep dive on what's coming with shortcuts in iOS 13. But it's... It's pretty awesome. Lots of good stuff coming our way. Absolutely. And I guess that's what I would say, just to kind of put a point on this discussion of the betas, is my iPad is so much more useful with these betas. That's why I went all in with them. 
I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, the better browser just, and we'll do, we'll cover all this in the show later in more depth, but it's the iPad. This is a big update for iPad. It is. It, you know, we talked about, it, I think in our WBC episode or the week after, but the iPad feels like its own thing now. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's living in the iPhone shadow anymore. And that is really good for the iPad. Yeah. And if you were kind of like on that edge where the iPad kind of worked for you, but you kept hitting some friction points, a lot of those friction points are gone now. So it's going to be fun to talk about this on the show and just in general using it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. 1Password is the password solution everybody needs. The internet is a scary place these days. You have to have unique and powerful passwords at all the websites and places you log in. 1Password does that for you. It generates those passwords and fills them out automatically. All you have to remember is the 1Password. So it allows you to have your cake and eat it too. You can have very powerful security and also convenience. But that's not all 1Password does. 1Password gives you the ability to save secure notes, so you can keep uh, notes on your iOS devices that are behind a separate firewall, in essence. Uh, It allows you to track your logins for your different applications, and they're always just looking for ways to make your life more secure. One of the ways they do that is through an ongoing series on their blog, and these seminars they do. They just did one on phishing, fraud, and threat reduction from Alex Ross here. And it's a great webinar. I watched it and actually sent some links out to some friends because these phishing people, they're getting really smart. And it's not as obvious as it used to be when you get these emails trying to to fish for your credit card information or your login details. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty smart because I just don't believe anything. I get an email anymore, but I've got a lot of family members that that don't know that. So I sent this webinar off to them and it's kind of helping them uh, avoid some of these problems. But regardless, check out 1Password, head over to onepassword.com slash MPU and that MPU is in all caps. Get you 20% off. Get yourself the family plan. That's what we did in the Sparks house. Got all my kids using it. They've got really great password security now and, and they're probably the only ones in their age group that does. So why don't you turn your kids into some security nerds too? Uh, we'll go over to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps. Sign up for 1Password and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. So a couple of weeks ago, Apple changed up the MacBook line. This, this news has been out for a little while, but just to summarize it into a tweet length deal, the 12 inch MacBook is uh, has been retired. It's no longer for sale. The 13 inch MacBook Air now has a true tone display, but nothing else changed. Just adding true tone, which is a nice feature. And then the MacBook Pro, the 13 inch, you know, there used to be a model that had two ports, but it still had like the hardware function keys and no touch bar. That machine has been upgraded to have a touch bar. So every MacBook Pro has the touch bar. Every laptop has Touch ID, and the little 12-inch MacBook is is gone. You know, not many folks have said much about the 12-inch MacBook. It, I thought it was a good computer that was underpowered. But in the back of my head, I always thought that was going to be the first ARM-based Mac was going to be the 12-inch. And uh, I guess I was wrong about that. Well, it could come back. I guess, I guess they could resurrect it again. You know, the MacBook name has now died twice. So... The third time would be the charm, maybe? I don't know. The the MacBook is really interesting. I think people who were into it were super into it, right? Because it was so small, so portable, 
And uh, I think those of us who weren't into it really weren't into it. It's a very polarizing computer, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. It could come back, but I, I don't think it will. I think they're happy with the brand of the MacBook Air and how many people love the Air. Um, so a couple things, thoughts I have on all of this is the first is we've been hearing for rumors for some time that they have a new keyboard coming and, you know, we've talked about this on the show. This goes back to when Katie was on the show, all the problems with that, that, um, keyboard that they have, I always mm-hmm. get it wrong. Now there's the scissor keyboard and there is the butterfly butterfly and the butterfly is the one that they have the problem with. Right. So the, the scissor keyboard is the older style. And Apple still ships a scissor keyboard, the Magic Keyboard, which is what is like what I'm typing on right now. It's right here on my desk. This keyboard is great, and I've had this one since it came out four or five years ago. And other than some of the keycaps rubbing off, it's been totally rock solid. Like I eat at my desk and do all sorts of things. But uh, yeah, the Butterfly Keyboard, the MacBook brought it into this world. And it's, uh, you know, we all know the history of that being problematic and Apple has worked to improve it over time. And I feel like they have improved it over time, but at some point they got to move back away from it, I think. Yeah, but I still, so some folks are saying, well, you know, why did they do all this before they have the new keyboard? And uh, I think that this product line desperately needed this kind of consolidation because at one point there were like three Macs that were about the same size within like a hundred dollars of each other. And it was just very confusing as to what you were supposed to buy. Oh and yeah. They've cleared that up. I think the new MacBook Airs are a proper successor to the original MacBook Air. I, I know that uh, your wife, Mary has one. So you've got one in the house. I've played with them in the store. They seem like great Macs. Rose Orchard has one. Um, uh, you know, and I'm setting the whole question of the keyboard aside. So I think they've kind of solved a lot of the problems. I, I think we're now back to a point where if someone says, you know, some stranger walks up to you and says, what new MacBook do I buy? You say the MacBook Air. And and then that's the starting point. And then you just decide, you know, their needs, whether or not they need something more powerful or not. But the, the default answer is once again, the MacBook Air as it should be. And the price is much closer to $1,000, although unfortunately it's not there yet. Unless you're a student. I believe if you're a student, you can get in at the entry level at $9.99. Yeah, which is great. And uh, you go into an Apple store or online and show a student ID in your set. So uh, if, you, you know, if you're a college student or you're going into college, maybe this fall, or you have a kid going into college this fall, I think it's a great move to send them with a MacBook Air. You know, keyboard could still be an issue, but it's covered for four years under Apple's repair program. We've gotten a lot of emails and posts in the forum of people having gone through this keyboard replacement program. And it seems like it happens. Apple had said the repairs were going to be prioritized. And it seems like that's happened. They they happen very quickly. When I had mine fixed back in 2016, because I had the first MacBook Pro of the style and the keyboard uh, failed and, and like a key came off completely. And then I took a clamshell iBook G3 to a live show as a joke because the keyboard is more reliable. That was really a fun time at the airport, by the way. They don't like when you fly with two laptops. Well, one of your laptops is enormous and has a handle on it. It raises some eyebrows. But uh, <laughs> the TSA at the Memphis airport, they know me now. Like, oh, here's this guy. What's he carrying today? But uh, but so if the keyboard thing is still an open item, but I think the MacBook Air is a great machine even with that considered. And if they if they change to a more reliable keyboard in the future, 
it'd be pretty much, I think, a, a win all the way around. And I think the Air is a lot better than the 12-inch MacBook for a couple of reasons. It is a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier, but the Air is still lighter and uh, slightly smaller in, in terms of volume than the 13-inch MacBook Pro. The thickness is about the same, but, you know, that teardrop shape uh, cuts some weight out and cuts some mass out. But it's got two Thunderbolt ports, and it ha- actually has better battery life than the 13-inch MacBook Pro. And again, in the context of someone who needs a machine for home or a student or something like that, battery life's a big deal. And having owned a, thir- a couple, actually, of 13-inch MacBook Pros of this body style, I can tell you the battery life's not very good on them because it's a, it's a more powerful processor but still in a pretty small chassis. The MacBook Air and the 15-inch MacBook Pro get the, be- the better battery life out of the three. And, you know, the Air, like you said, my wife has one. She's been really happy with it. She came from a 12-inch MacBook. She had the first generation, and that machine didn't age very well. We got her a MacBook Air. And she's been really happy with it. And I've used it a bunch for some rather CPU-intensive things. And, yeah, it's not as fast as a MacBook Pro, but that's totally fine. Most people don't need what a MacBook Pro can do and would rather have the battery life and the weight savings. And, I mean, she's doing stuff in a big photos library and, and all sorts of things that are can be intensive and it's, it never feels slow. So I think it's a, it's nice to have a default Mac again. I think the Mac line makes sense again. If you have 11 or $1,200 to spend, the MacBook Air's totally the way to go. And I would say only upgrade to the MacBook Pro if you feel like you need uh, the additional power. And uh, we don't have to get into all the details, but there's a, there's a blog post I wrote about choosing between the 19, the 2019 MacBook Air and the new entry-level MacBook Pro. And there's lots of detail in that blog post. But unless you feel like you need something that the Pro offers, whether it be the touch bar or the the quad-core processor as opposed to the dual-core processor in the Air, I don't think there's any reason to go to the Pro for most users. I think think the Air is the default again. And that's really exciting. The MacBook Air is a really important machine to Apple, and the brand is so well-loved. Look, if the MacBook Air... Had it been such a huge hit that that previous design you know, with MagSafe and the non-retina display, that wedge-shaped computer, it was such a huge hit. Apple had to bring the Air back, and so people have been asking, "Well, now that the MacBook is gone, why is the MacBook Air still called that? Why wouldn't they change that name to MacBook?" And I think the answer is, people really love MacBook Airs, and there are a lot of people still holding on to the old one. And Apple now has a computer. For about the same price as their previous laptop, looks kind of the same, but everything about it is better. It's faster. It has a much better display, better battery life, and it comes in colors now. You can get it in space gray, silver, or a gold color. That's a that's a pretty compelling upgrade to you know people still holding on to the old MacBook Air. You know, if somebody told me money is no object, you know, I'm going to give you a blank checkbook, but you have to buy a laptop. You have to go buy an Apple laptop today. I would buy an Air, honestly. I I don't. I'm I'm not going to try and do video production on a laptop. I've got an amazing iMac here that does that stuff, and I'm around it enough that I can put that off that work off until I'm there. So I, if I had to buy a laptop, it would be an Air. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. And you know, I don't. We haven't spoken about it much, but I have one of the new eight core 15 inch macbook pros one of the big ones yeah and uh, i switched to that right before wbc and so i've had it i don't know maybe six weeks now and if i didn't have to edit 
audio and, and honestly some video on the road. I, would, I think I'd own a MacBook Air as well. Just like a small notebook just to chunk in my bag and take with yeah. me. I well, often, you do all the live show production stuff, so I know you need something more powerful. Yeah, yeah. And probably don't need, a, you know, an eight-core laptop or whatever it is. I'm actually pulling up the specs. It's it's a it's a bananas computer. But I, I got to say, I've been I've been really happy with this MacBook Pro, David. It And when you look at the tech specs, you would think, oh, my gosh, this computer is going to run so hot. The battery life is going to be uh, an utter nightmare. And honestly, that's just not true. So so I have the 2.3 gigahertz, eight core processor, eight cores on a MacBook Pro. Just kind of makes yeah. the nerd in me laugh. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. But um, I, I want to get back to the keyboard, though, briefly, because okay. the... Um, I get that Apple has a four-year warranty program on this keyboard that I think everybody can agree isn't good. I mean, regardless of whether you like or dislike the travel, I don't want to talk about that. I want to just talk about the fact that these keyboards fail. I mean, uh, we have a 12-inch uh, uh, MacBook in our family. I think it's on keyboard number three, mm. and that one's having trouble now. And we also have in our house a 2011 MacBook Air, and it finally died like six months ago. So we got seven years out of it, seven and a half years. Well, the warranty program is only four years. Um, I just feel like there's no way those keyboard, I, I think it's very unlikely a computer with this keyboard is going to be running in seven and a half years. I think you're, I think you're probably right. And that's really unfortunate. I, I would like Apple at some point to say, you know what, we're going to extend this out six years, seven years, eight years, because the reality is all of these, except for maybe the 12-inch MacBook, all of these computers are fast enough now. Like this eight-core MacBook Pro I have, I, even with my needs, I could use this machine for six, seven, eight years, and it still be a great laptop. And someone who buys a MacBook Air expects that longevity. And honestly, they should get it. That should be how long these computers last. So yeah, I agree with you. The four years I don't think is long enough. Apple has repeatedly tinkered with the keyboard to make it better. Uh, I don't know if we're going to know for some time if that's happened. And I think that Apple says, hey, we launched a new computer today and it's, and it's automatically in the keyboard repair program. That's the right thing for Apple to do because they need their customers to trust their laptops. But it doesn't give me a ton of confidence that they're actually fixed. No, I, I really hope that whatever's coming next returns to scissors or I don't know. Something. You know, maybe they just put, they just make the thing three inches thick and put cherry switches in all of them. I don't know. But the, um, but they <laughs> got it. I will eat my hat. <laughs> That's what yeah, they do. I know. I know. I know. Hey, um, but the, uh, I do think that that's the only thing that concerns me. I mean, I like that they fixed the line. I think that they've made a lot of good decisions about what to keep and not keep and, and the way they've priced them. I, I think they've made a lot of good decisions, but the whole thing has this asterisk over it concerning these keyboards. And, and it's still an issue for me. I mean, when I have friends ask me, I tell them, I say, you know, I'm not sure that you're going to get more than the warranty period on the keyboard out of the computer. And that's the first time I've ever had to put an asterisk on a Mac recommendation, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that makes me a little sad, but the, uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, very shortly we're going to see those keyboards get updated and, and get back in, in something that we don't have to worry about. Yeah. I mean, the, the rumor is that they could do it as early as the end of this year with maybe a new, a new MacBook pro new 16 inch at the high end, or maybe the new MacBook air, maybe they'll release another new one with a new keyboard. 
hopefully that is that is close. And you know, there's there's this story floating around that whatever this new keyboard is couldn't fit in the 12 inch MacBook, and so instead of redesign it, they just sort of got rid of it because I don't think it sold very well, and they hadn't updated it in a couple years, so. I don't think a single thing killed the MacBook, but I would imagine that the future keyboard plan maybe was a factor in that computer's demise. And, you know, I, I'm a, honestly, I'm a little nervous about this MacBook Pro that I have from the keyboard perspective yeah. because I, I, it was really expensive. It's the most expensive laptop I've ever, ever purchased. I kind of feel like it, it may be the last MacBook Pro with, hopefully, with this butterfly keyboard. And I don't keep an eye on it. So far, so good. And you know, I don't use it daily, which probably helps. But I still feel like I have to kind of baby it, and it's like it's kind of fragile, and I don't love that feeling. A, a MacBook Pro should be tough and should be able to withstand some stuff and not fail with a single crumb like my 2016 did. So I don't know. So, so I get. I guess the advice would be if you need a new laptop, if you need one right now, get one. Yeah. You know, don't hold back. There's great options, but. If you're starting to think about a new laptop, I would recommend you wait if you can. And let's just see what plays out. Maybe we do get new keyboards soon. And um, and then I think you would regret having purchased one now for like six months from now. There's one with, you know, that returns to a scissor keyboard. And, you know, so what if it's a, you know, a fraction of an inch thicker to get those those new keys? I, yeah, I want, I want the idea of a seven-year laptop. I mean, not necessarily I'm going to use a seven-year laptop. I mean, I can't help myself, but... But you know, when I hand it down to my family and it lasts seven years, that that saves me money. And um, sure. Uh, so I uh, I would like I like to think that they're going to fix that soon. I, I feel like they don't really have a choice; they have to. I, I think they do. Maybe we could just all get the uh, magic keyboard and just tape them to our laptops. <laughs> I I talked about this on the show once when I went to see the Star Wars premiere. There was a guy in line, and he had a, a MacBook that he had put Velcro on each side. And then he had um, a, like a cherry style Bluetooth keyboard with Velcro on the bottom. And he would literally pull the MacBook out. He'd open the lid and he would Velcro the keyboard to the top of the MacBook. And I, I, I didn't, my, my, one of the biggest regrets of my life is not taking a picture of that because it was so amazing, but that, you know, that's, in this generation, you know, it's these butterfly keyboards that has, has done this to us. And, uh, I just, you know, I hope they fix, I, I know they've probably already fixed it, but you know, when you've got a company that big and making that many million devices, you, you can't turn it on a dime. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure that the fix is probably already in the works, but, um, I, I and overall, I don't want to be a downer. I, I think that these updates and the model changes are all great. Uh, but I would like to see the the last piece of this would be, and we have a better keyboard, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's done real, I think, lasting damage to the uh, the MacBook brand, like and the Apple brand. You know, I think when people think about their laptops, even people who don't follow this as closely as we do people know about this and apple that's going to take a long time to undo yeah and apple's going to have to work hard at that even when they fix it once we get the new keyboard and it's no longer a problem for years that's going to be the rep is that they have bad keyboards and that's just going to take some time to dig out of and then every person even with the new one every person that has a key go bad or something is going to write something or post it on the internet and then it's going to blow up <laughs> yeah you, you know how it goes right oh yeah yeah, yeah. can't escape it Well, I want to hear about this uh, borrowed laptop of yours right after this. 
This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by OmniFocus for the web. You know OmniFocus as the excellent task manager for things like your Mac, iPad, iPhone, even the Apple Watch, but sometimes we're not at those devices, and that's where OmniFocus for the web comes in. It's a great option for people who need to access their OmniFocus database when, say, on a PC or someone else's computer because it's right there on the web. OmniFocus for the web comes with a bunch of the features that you would expect it to have. Of course, you have your inbox and projects, but you have tags, you have your flag system that carries over as well. And of course, everything is encrypted with the OmniSync server. So you're the only one looking at your tasks. If you already own OmniFocus, you can add OmniFocus for the web for $4.99 a month. Or if you're new to the to the whole system, the whole OmniFocus way of life, you can do $9.99 a month. That subscription gets you OmniFocus Pro for Mac, iOS, and the web. So you get it everywhere you need to be. To learn more about OmniFocus for the web and all the other platforms that it calls home, head on over to omnigroup.com slash powerusers. You can learn a lot more there. And uh, they'll know that you came from us. Once again, that's omnigroup.com slash power users. I'd like to thank the Omni Group and especially OmniFocus for the web for supporting the Mac power users. Right before we were heading up to WWDC in San Jose, I have a client that um, has a business that uh, where they use Macs. And it's one of those clients, you know, I have clients that have no idea that Mac Sparky exists and some that are like fans and listen to the show all the time. Mm-hmm. This one is in that second category. So, in fact, he's going to listen to this, and I, I know I'm going to catch hell for this. But anyway, he, uh, we were in the process of doing a very significant legal transaction as I was heading up there. And, I said, and he's like, you're going to, to San Jose, right? I'm like, yeah. I said, but no worries. I get up early. I'll take care of you. You know, don't worry. He's like, no, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried that you don't have a laptop because he listens to the show, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's fine. You know, iPad, Microsoft Word. This was a Microsoft Word document transaction i'm like, I'm good don't worry about it it's like you know just take this anyway and he pulls out a drawer and he hands me a 13 inch macbook pro i think it's like a couple years old it's you know it's got the touch bar. i think it's the original touch bar 13 inch how okay. old that is and so they had an extra one he loaned it to me i'm like i'm not going to need this he's like just bring it with you you know mm-hmm. so so i took a minute set it up before i left and um and i i threw it in my bag and took it with me and I said, I'm never going to need this computer. And then um, the first morning I get up at 5.30, I'm going to bang out this contract. And I open up my iPad and it says, Microsoft Word says, hey, you need to authenticate your subscription. Whoops. I'm like, well, that's weird. Never does that. I, I have a subscription. I pay my 10 bucks a month or whatever, you know. So I put my password in and it's like, oh, bad password. You need a new password. Oh, no. I'm like, that's not right. This is the same password. I haven't changed it. So then I go over on my um, uh, on the Mac that I brought with me, and I go to the website, and I log in on the website with the password, and it logs in fine. So mm. then I go to the iPad, and I go to the website in Safari, and I log in, it works fine. So then I go to Excel on my iPad. Same device, right? Use the, the, the account credentials, logs in fine. Microsoft Word? <laughs> I put the password in. It says, well, accept. So you have to reset your password. I'm like, and then I'm just thinking in the back of my head, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to reset the password and nothing is going to work anywhere. Yeah. You're going to be totally broken. And I have to get this deal done. I cannot be dealing with this right now, you know? 
And um, so guess what? I, I used the laptop. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I used Word. I logged in with Word. It worked fine. And I so I used the laptop for the trip. And when I got back, I told him and he thought that was hilarious, you know, and 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 then I uh, I said to him, um, but I still didn't think I need a laptop because iOS 13, man, the Safari is better. Everything is better. Um, and by the way, mysteriously, Microsoft Word works again on my iPad. I have no idea what happened for about a week and a half. Um, but but either way, um, but he he says, uh, I said, do you need it back? He says, well, I'm not in a hurry. I said, is it okay if I put the Catalina beta on it, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, just keep it for a few months. You can run the beta on it. So I wanted to, to try the beta somewhere. And so I installed the uh, the Catalina beta on it. It worked okay. I didn't really like do much with it. I, you know, I'm too busy right now to like fiddle around with it, but I, right. we're going to talk later about voice control and I enabled voice control to make sure it worked. But then, um, just a few days ago, I decided, well, let me try that laptop. I haven't worked on a laptop for a long time. So I went downstairs, brought the laptop with me. I'm sitting there on the couch working and I'm just watching the battery life go down. It's like mm-hmm. 99. 98. I mean, it was almost like a <laughs> like countdown a- clock, you know? <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, what, what is going on? And I noticed that this thing is really hot and the fans are spinning really fast, you know? So I start like, you know, closing apps and nothing is working. And then finally I'm thinking, well, is it voice control? So I disable voice control. No, it's not that. And then I finally open activity monitor and um, the iCloud daemon and a couple of the iCloud related apps are just like spinning out of control. Good time. Yeah. So I go into the Finder and I look at Finder and Finder says, and I go to the iCloud, you know, section of Finder. Sure. And it says uploading like 5,000 files. <laughs> you know? uh... Something like, I don't know. I'm thinking uploading files. This is not right. This is this computer is not even set up to store all my iCloud files. It's supposed to be a remote, you know, access, and it's trying to upload five thousand files. It's spinning out of control, and then I just watch it for a few minutes, and then it's like five thousand five hundred files. You know, it's just like the number is going up. It's going up. Battery life is going down. The fans are going. Battery life now is is like sixty percent. You know. Welcome and, to the beta. <laughs> and, and like, I don't know. what This is all like within a half hour. I'm like, this could be really bad. I have a lot of stuff on iCloud. I don't want to screw up iCloud. So I just shut down the computer. I didn't shut the lid. I literally, you know, shut down the computer and then, um, and then just stuck it on a shelf. And then when the, uh, the developer beta four for Catalina came out, I updated uh, the laptop with the latest beta. I opened iCloud and it said, um, iCloud in sync. I'm like, oh, great. And then all of a sudden the fan started up again. <laughs> and I looked at it and said, 1,000 files uploading to iCloud. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, punch out of here, brother. So I don't think I did any damage to my iCloud. I was looking at my iCloud on my iMac very carefully and I don't see anything missing or additional files there. But uh, there's something very strange going on with that laptop. And uh, I think before I give it back to my friend, who's I'm sure listening to this right now, I'm going to wipe that computer completely clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to wait until the Catalina release comes out and just put the final, you know, gold master release on it and hand it back to him very quietly. 
It's probably the right thing to do. So I, I, I haven't had a really good experience with that laptop. And, and, and that's another reason why I'm in favor of an air because this thing gets so hot and the, the fans are, are spinning up. But I guess that would happen on an air too with whatever problem I'm, I'm dealing with. Yeah, it's, it's lower TDP. It won't get as hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that may go away if you signed out of iCloud and re-signed back into it. The, the early betas of 13 and Catalina definitely had iCloud issues. And it seems like that's better now. But yeah, Catalina's it's got some stuff going on. You know, that, that 2016 laptop, you know, being that old, those didn't cool as well as the, the later models did. You know, I could I could see how that get out of, out of control. You know, someone walks uh, down the hallway, he's like, does he have a helicopter in there? Like, what is he doing? No, my 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 daughter in the next room is like, what's going on in there? <laughs> she could hear the fan in the next room. It's fine, um, totally fine. <laughs> I think I, you know, you've given me an idea. I think after the show or this weekend, I'm going to go in and just wipe that thing entirely and do a fresh install of Catalina. Yeah. With no data. I think that may, that may calm it down. And just see what happens. I, I'm curious. I mean, I, I would like to spend some more time with it. I There's some stuff I want to test with Catalina. That's the reason it's here. So I'll see if I can do that and maybe get it sorted out. But yeah, it's it's having problems right now. I, I really feel like the Catalina beta is a little harrowing. And that's just based on my experience. So I don't, I don't know if... How are you doing with it? I mean, I'm not running it every day. It's on an external SSD uh, for my MacBook Pro, but when I'm in it, yeah, I haven't had that particular issue that you've had. But I also don't have very much an, an iCloud drive. It's you know, it's just it's buggy. Things are crashy. Sometimes it'll lock up. You know, that sort of thing is what I've seen. Some features aren't quite quite done yet. Um, the the new apps, music, podcasts, and TV like feel pretty good most of the time. But uh, sometimes the the music app in particular will get um, get beach bally for kind of <laughs> no reason. And the battery life is pretty bad, but th- there's sort of a, a rule of thumb when it comes to these betas that the battery life sort of optimization comes later in the cycle, and they're willing to trade some battery life early on to get the features right, and then they sort of go back and, and make them efficient. I don't know if that's actually true, if that's how Apple actually works, but it feels true this time, especially on the Mac, even without whatever iCloud madness you had going on. The battery life in Catalina just isn't as good as it is in Mojave yet. But it'll get yeah. there. It, it, they do. This is not new. Right? A lot of people are talking about it this year. Every beta cycle, most beta cycles at least, go through this period of like everything's on fire all the time, and they they get it settled out. They're good at their jobs. By the time the fall comes around, it'll be ready to go. Yeah. Well, in this case, it's not just the usual beta battery drain. This thing is trying to turn itself into a hover mech. Yeah. You know? That's uh, that's uh, th- that's two sides of one coin. I think <laughs> iCloud taking yeah. up all the CPU and and all that. That's all one and the same. Now, if you're listening, you've never solved the problem I'm talking about. When I say kind of clean install the OS, what I'll do is I'll do the, um, I have to look it up every time. The, uh, was it command R? What, what is the hold down to get to the, Let's um, see. so when you boot, when you boot the computer, if you hold command plus, I want to say R or it's something on the left hand, but I have to look it up every time. Uh, somebody is listening right now, banging their head against the dashboard. I apologize. Yep. Here we go. Max startup key combinations in the knowledge base. So uh, Command R is the built-in recovery. Yeah, I got it. Got yep. it. Yeah, Command R. Yeah, Command R. So I'll, I'll put this is a very handy knowledge base article. I'll put that in the show notes. The, uh, so what I do is you go in there and then I erase the drive. And in this case, this is purely a supplemental Mac. I don't care. You know, all my backups off the iMac. I'm fine. If this thing, if I nuke this thing. 
I don't need to back it up. Normally I would make sure you back it up first, but this, this is because this Mac is an extra Mac. I'm going to just command R delete the hard drive and then reset Catalina and then, and then put my credentials in again. So rather than uh, Stephen was saying the easy thing that like Stephen was saying was just log out and log back into iCloud. I'm going to take the more drastic approach and just say, just start over, you know, with this computer. And I think that's fine because like I said, I don't need it to get work done. If it takes a day or two to reset itself, that's fine. Um, but then I'm going to have to go back and re-log into Dropbox and, you know, all that all that stuff that you have to do, I have to do again. A little bit of time. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I was going to ask you when we were prepping for this, what it, how having a laptop was, how it was going for you, because you haven't had one for a little while. But it seems like you can't answer that question because every time you touch this one, uh, things explode. But I am yeah. curious if you get it settled in, if the Mac notebook finds a way back into your life or, you, you know, or if you're going to end up being desktop plus iPad, like you've been, I'm curious how this plays out. So I want to, I want to keep tabs on this and see if, you know, maybe your workflow changes a little bit. Yeah. I, if I had, yeah, let's just see how it goes. But to tell you the truth with the improvements to iPad OS, um, I'm probably not going to change. Mm-hmm. And I like like keyboard maestro. I just did a field guide. I've got great automation with keyboard maestro. I do miss that when I'm on the road, but I've got a lot more, um, I've got a lot more accepting about work modes lately. Like when I'm on mobile, I just, there's certain things I don't do anymore, you know, and like fancy email processing and like I do with Apple script on the Mac and some of the keyboard maestro stuff. I'm okay. Just waiting until I'm back at my iMac to do that. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'll try and get this thing running again, and I'll actually try and use it, and then I'll report back. Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to know how that goes. Uh, I try to, when I'm traveling, like I, I'd prefer just to work on an iPad if I travel and not carry the MacBook Pro. But very often work equals shows on the road, so I have to do it. So I, I like the idea of sort of mode switching while you're on the road, but I feel like I may be on an extreme at end of this where like I basically need to bring a Mac every time I travel. But that's probably not true for a lot of people. Well, like I'm giving a presentation at Max Talk. In addition to the episode 500, I'm giving a talk. And I, based on the status of this current laptop, I was fully intending to leave it home, just bring my 11-inch iPad Pro. And I was going to give my presentation off of it and do whatever I need as a lawyer during those few days off of it. And I think I'll be just fine. But I have to admit, in the back of my head, I was thinking, well, if I really need a laptop, I can always borrow Stevens for the presentation. <laughs> true. You know? I will have mine there. And and if I get this other one working between now and then, maybe I'll bring it along. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the uh, I guess I'll report back on that too. Okay. But, but the with iPad OS, a lot of the problems that traditionally stopped me or made me nervous uh, have been solved. But then you know I have to go back to WWDC where just the it was inexplicable why the Microsoft Word wasn't working on that iPad. But at the same time, it wasn't working. And those are problems that you don't have on the Mac. Always something. Hey, you want to talk about dictation a little bit? I do want to talk about this. So you have this YouTube video up, and I watched it last night, and my mind was blown. Yeah. It, they've uh, they've made progress. I, I've been looking at dictation for years. I, I wrote articles at Macworld back in the day on it, and I've done comparisons uh, you know, with a with a lawyer as your day job, dictation's always a thing. And I was using computerized dictation at the very beginning. You know, Dragon was the kind of first big player 
And when they first released it, you actually had to have a gap between every word, you know? <laughs> I remember when natural language was a big deal where you could speak without putting a gap between each word and we all, you know, our minds were all collectively blown by that. So I've been using it for a long time and the Mac has always been just lagging on this stuff. Um, for the longest time, Dragon didn't exist on the Mac. Then there was an app called Mac Speech, which was okay. But then one year they licensed the the Dragon engine and it got way better. I was at Macworld when they made that announcement. I remember if you go back in the MPU archive somewhere, there, I'm bragging about that if you go back far enough. But then then Dragon saw the success on Mac, so they bought Mac Speech, I think. They bought they purchased the company and then so it was just Dragon on the Mac for many years. And then last year Dragon announced they're pulling out of the Mac. Now, the current version of Dragon for the Mac works. I've got it installed on this one. But my guess is once we get to Catalina, it's going to stop working. So everybody was asking me, what are you going to do about it? And how are you going to solve the problem? I did a video on it last month in June that was kind of kind of grim, you know, honestly, because, you know, Siri dictation does exist on the Mac, but it's not as good as Dragon. Um, it doesn't have a custom dictionary, and it's just generally not as good. And I did a bunch of samples. And... um and Dragon Anywhere, which is Dragon's iOS product, hasn't been killed yet, but it hasn't been updated forever. Like, for instance, it doesn't work on the iPad Pro. It just doesn't work there. And, and I thought... <laughs> How is that even possible? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Because it works on, like, it works on my daughter's iPad Mini, but it doesn't work on iPad Pro, and it works on my iPhone. And I thought for the... Because I always used it on an iPad. That was, like, my whole jam was right. I'd have... A contract, two-thirds of the iPad screen, and Dragon one-third, and I would sit there and dictate all my notes as I did the review, and it was great. It was a great workflow. It just stopped working one day, and um, then I realized, no, it's not broken everywhere. It's just broken on my iPad. Um, so, so you know, that was a thing, and then, but I knew we, we heard at WWDC that Apple got, you know, upped its game with accessibility again. So after I shot the video, I thought, well, let me go look at the accessibility stuff. And they have a new thing called voice control. And I turned it on and it's on both Mac, iPad and iPhone. And it solves a lot of problems. So, so what they've done now is they've added what they call voice control, which allows you to do way more than just dictate to your device. It allows you to open apps and push buttons. I mean, it's, it's an accessibility yeah, feature. Yeah. Zoom in maps and photos. I mean, basically anything you could do yeah. with a cursor or a tap, you could do with just your voice now. Yeah, exactly. If you didn't have use of your hands, you could control a device with your voice, which is awesome. But the voice stuff on it, just the, the piece of dictating voice into text is like light years ahead of Siri dictation. You, it, first of all, it doesn't have a timer. So you can just start talking and it doesn't end. On, on iPhone and iPad, it's like a one-minute timer. You, you talk, you get like two or three sentences and it stops. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the middle of a sentence and you press the button to start again, then it capitalizes because it thinks you're starting a new sentence so the grammar gets all wonky. And just the whole idea of having to stop and press a button every minute, it's like you feel like one of those you know hamsters in one of those cages trying to get the cookie. And, um, and this doesn't do that anymore. Uh, second, it's got custom dictionary. Although, as I showed in the video, it doesn't appear to be working at this point in the beta, but hopefully it does get working. And, and by custom, you mean like loading your own words in or your yeah. own? Okay. So I can write Max Sparky and you can put 512 pixels and it's going to type it out the way you want it every time you say it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, 
And and so and this is true on all devices. So it works on iPhone, iPad, and Mac. And it just it's like Dragon. You can go in and you can edit the words. You can say, you know, select Stephen. And then you can dictate a new word over Stephen if you made a mistake, or you can go back and change the dictation, which is a feature that Dragon had all these years. So it's, it is like Dragon. I don't think it's probably as good as Dragon yet. They don't have quite as much data as Dragon does after being out there all those years, but it is very close and it's free. And in September, it's going to be on everybody's device. It's a little wonky to turn it on because it's an accessibility feature. I put the accessibility trigger in the control center on iOS. Nice. So you just swipe down, you tap it, and then you start talking. Uh, You can turn it off and on. So you can say, go to sleep and wake up, and it'll turn the microphone off or on. Um, So it's just really powerful. I'd recommend watching the video. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, But we've got some great suddenly voice-to-text dictation and no longer do we have to pay Dragon $15 a month for Dragon Anywhere or $300 every time they come out with a new version for the Mac. It's just built in. So I'm very encouraged by it. And I think people who want to be able to dictate to their Mac, iPad, or iPhone are going to be really happy with this. Have you, uh, I know the video is all on the iPad. Have you, I guess you haven't tried it much on Catalina because, uh, yeah, that's Catalina's on fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I did try it and it worked. Okay. It worked fine. With, yeah. with Dragon, just because I'm not super familiar with it. Yeah. Did it work better or worse on, say, the iPad or the Mac, or was the experience pretty consistent under the previous version? I felt like it was slightly better on the Mac okay. than Dragon anywhere on the, but it was close. And, uh, and so I, I don't know, you know, how that's going to all play out. But and I don't think this is quite as good as Dragon. Dragon is spooky good. Mm-hmm. This is very good. It's not spooky good yet. And um, like when I put the video up, somebody asked me, they're like, well, it'd be better if they put in the periods and, you know, the grammar for you. You know, but that that's not the case on, on Dragon either. You have to dictate period, comma, all that stuff. Sure. But that's OK. And, um, and, you know, there's a bunch of other dictation services. If you want a human to, to transcribe it for you, there's a bunch of great apps for that. So there's a lot of ways to do this stuff. But this is a free solution that just ships on your device, and it's going to be good enough for a lot of uses. Yeah, I love that there's no timer. I, I have gotten bit by that. Yeah. Who knows how many times over the years. And, I mean, in your video, like, I, so I felt like in the back of my mind I had the timer running because it's sort of yeah. ingrained on how long you have to speak. And I was like, oh, he's just talking. And yeah, it kept up I, really I did that well. on purpose. Yeah, I talked for like two or three minutes. Yeah, on the video, yeah. it, it made me nervous for you, and then I realized, oh, I see what's I see what's happening here. Yeah, I'm looking forward no, to this. I've I've got it turned on uh, now, the same way you did with the accessibility option in on my iPad. I'm looking forward to digging into this. It's going to be really cool. I think. Yeah, if you're on any of the betas, public or developer, just go into accessibility or just watch the video. I actually show you how to turn it on. But I'm really curious to see how it works. And um, if you are on the beta and you, like me, are having trouble with the custom dictionary showing up, submit feedback, just like we talked about. You know, I think they need the more people they hear about these problems from, the more likely they are to get fixed. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Linode. High-speed performance SSD Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Go to linode.com MPU and get $20 credit. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode services their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe, and they're about to add more. 
Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will all have data centers before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40-gigabyte network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending, Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing, with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backups and node balancers. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, and they're all looked after by the incredible 24-7 support team. If you ever run into any problems, just drop them an email, give them a call, or just chat over IRC, and the Linode community will take care of you. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at 1 gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode has special offer just for you. As a listener of the Mac Power users, you can go to linode.com MPU and use promo code MPU2019 with no space to get $20 toward any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. Give Linode a try today. That's linode.com MPU and promo code MPU2019 to learn more. Sign up and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for all their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so we spoke about Safari several episodes ago. We got some feedback from a bunch of people talking about picture in picture. So I talked about the trick to like double right click on a YouTube video and have it open a picture in picture, that sort of thing. And it turns out there's a Mac app called Pipifier. So like picture in picture, Pipifier. And it basically adds picture-in-picture mode to a bunch of video on the web. Basically, any HTML5 video playing on basically any website. I've tried this on a bunch of things, and it seems really straightforward. Like, it, it basically works the way you would expect it to. So you yeah. install this. You, you It's a Safari extension, so it, it, it installs from the Mac App Store into Safari. You enable it in the extensions, drag it to the toolbar in Safari, and any time you're on a page... With HTML5 video, you uh, hit the button and it comes out into its own frame. This works the way I wish Safari worked. It's one of those additions like, oh, this is how it should just be. But uh, not everything is that easy. But this is a really good addition. I'm running it now on both my Macs. Yeah, GW wrote in to say, uh, could you guys go over what the section on my iPad means in the file picker on the iPad Pro and the Files app? Um, Well, GW, I understand why you sent that question, because it is confusing. I mean, when you see something that says on my iPad, as a longtime Mac user, Stephen, what do you think it would mean? (laughs) Local storage. Yeah, I mean, just like on my Mac, right? Mm -hmm. Well, not really. No, it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what they've done is they've got this local storage tied to application. Uh, So it's like, it's like kind of a, an edge case for application temporary storage is kind of the way I look at it. Uh, bottom line is never push that button. You got to store it in the cloud. But if you don't want to, there there are some options. <laughs> so uh, this has always bothered me because like there are times where I just want to save a PDF to my iPad to upload it to a website somewhere else. And I don't yeah. need it to like round trip through Dropbox or iCloud. Yeah. Um, Federico wrote about this in his Beyond the Tablet story, there's a link in the, in the notes to like this section kind of explaining about this. And like you said, it's 
a weird little edge case that it's sort of a remnant of how iCloud apps used to work. It's really like a, a product of the past. Yeah. Uh, but there is uh, an iOS app called Local Storage. It's out on the App Store, and it's free. And what it does is it makes on my iPad a file provider. So you can actually save stuff in there. Because right now you can't. Like right now it's it looks like it's there, but this makes it work the way you kind of think that it should work. So I've installed this on my iPad and iPhone now. And now yeah. if I if I do have a PDF or something I want to store temporarily on my devices, not in iCloud, it's not in Dropbox, so if, you know, it's it's not available elsewhere. If that fits your need, check out local storage. It does kind of get this done. But um it's a weird little corner of the files app that I think Apple could do better explaining what it does. I almost feel like it shouldn't be there or they should fix it to make it truly local storage, you know? Yeah. Um, but I kind of understand why they don't do it as well, because then people are going to use it and then be upset why the, the files don't show up through cloud storage on their devices. Yeah. It's, it's kind of either way they would need to explain it better. Yeah. But I feel like the way it is now is sort of just confusing. And always. Well, well, the whole file system on iPad, I think, is something that is confusing. They tried to make it simple when they started. You were talking about this being a remnant of, of days past. I mean, when we first got the iPad, each app had its own bucket of storage, which was it was a, a noble idea, but that never worked. Um, and Apple ultimately realized that, and uh, you know, over a few iterations of iOS you know, brought the files app and basically gave us Dropbox through iCloud mm-hmm. um, because that's what works. And, um, but then they've still got this legacy stuff with, uh, basically that's what, that's what on my iPad is. It's the local storage app based local storage. Uh, but it's, it hasn't, you know, they put all their wood behind the arrow on the iCloud stuff. They're really encouraging. They want to make it easy for you to use on my iPad as a storage location. Which is why, you know, I was kind of glib when I said just put it on the cloud. I guess there's some <laughs> stuff you don't want to put on the cloud. And and you can get this app for it. But, you know, the idea at Apple is that you will put it on the cloud, whether it's Dropbox or iCloud or, off, or was it OneDrive, you know. They want you to put it somewhere through one of those file providers. On the Mac, it's, it's sort of the inside out of this, right? You're just in Finder unless you put it in a magic folder like Dropbox or OneDrive or iCloud. Yeah. And the iPad's yeah. the inverse of that. But I think they just have some ways to go to make this um, more more understandable and and honestly probably like more useful. You know, I, I think there should be better ways to yeah. uh, manage your iCloud Drive stuff on the iPad. Uh, you know, in a in a future episode that that. The audience hasn't heard heard yet, but we've already recorded. We actually spoke about this. How like Dropbox gives you like pretty good controls about what I want locally and what I don't on the Mac, and that should be true of iCloud on the Mac, and I think it should be true of iCloud and Dropbox on these devices as well. Look, like, I've got a bunch of SSD sitting here on my iPad. Why doesn't Files give me the option like I want these all these directories always downloaded and synced locally, and these other ones not? There's a lot more they could do in this arena. Yeah. And I was thinking, what if they just made a bucket of storage called local storage? Is that too technical? You know, I mean, you can buy an iPad with a terabyte SSD in it. Why can't we have some little portion of that designated as local storage and do what we want in it? Yeah. 
I, I think it, I think it people would would get it, but um, yeah. I, just, I don't. I think they their vision was everything's going to be on the cloud, but that doesn't fit everyone's needs all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have come a long way. I mean, I think the original idea just didn't work, and this new one does. But but I you know the you do, you still find these these friction points that still need to be solved. I guess so. We're, well, I guess what we're saying is we're not done complaining about the iPad. Not quite yet. <laughs> yeah. It's a, there's still things that are weird. Which is why Steven thinks I should have a laptop, I guess. Yeah, you just need to get a, a MacBook Air. Um, yeah, well, th- th- thanks for the question, GW. And the answer is, we're not really sure why they did that, <laughs> but they did. And uh, and if you really want to put local storage on, download the app called Local Storage. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, we, we've got another listener question that uh, I was really eager to get to. So this is from Steve. Uh, Steve wrote in saying that uh, he doesn't want a work PC, right? He, he's trying to justify a Mac to a boss who isn't hip to our way of life <laughs> as Mac users. And, um, yeah, you know, he says, I've always said, get the employee the computer they could do their best work on so they're happier, more productive employees, but his boss doesn't subscribe to that theory. So I, I would say in arguing for a Mac – in a work environment, that can be very tricky because there very well could be infrastructure, you know, whether it be a, a, a domain system, the network, something that really dictates the need for, for Windows. A lot of that stuff, honestly, works fine cross-platform, but if the IT department hasn't enabled that or, or is unwilling to make accommodations for Mac users, depending on how big of a company you're in, that's kind of a, a a no-go right off the bat. And and that stinks. But if let's put that aside. Let's say you're in a smaller business, you don't have those issues. Uh, I would say that the reasons to have a Mac in an office, you know, environment is basically the same as it is when it comes to having one at home. Things like they are more secure. You don't have to worry about uh, some of the malware and stuff that's still kind of hanging on in the Windows world. And in the Windows world, it's a lot better than it used to be, but still an issue there, more so than it is on Mac OS. And I'd add to that reliability. I mean, I just got done talking about a seven-year-old laptop. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, you know, I have so many friends on the PC side of the fence that get a new computer every two years, not because they want the latest and greatest, but because the PC they bought Two years ago was completely out of gas. Absolutely, and and part of that, like from the business perspective, is that you only have one vendor for it. So sometimes you end up in a situation with a PC where you have an issue with, and it's hard as with something, and it's hard to tell if it's software or hardware. Maybe it's a driver issue, and you can get caught in between Dell or HP or Lenovo and Microsoft, you know, and and you've you're kind of dealing with two different vendors. And with Apple, you just have one. If it's the OS or the hardware, it's all supported by Apple. And yeah, the Apple stores may not be the most conducive thing for business people, but you at least you only have one company to deal with. And chances are you're not going to end up in a situation where we're sort of getting bounced around between, between uh, multiple companies. But part of reliability is also... The, the cost of things when they do go wrong. And 
there's a lot of research saying that it's actually cheaper to support and maintain Macs over the long haul because not only are they reliable from a hardware perspective, Mac OS is just more robust than Windows for the long haul. You know, you don't have weird OS breakdown issues like you do in Windows. Part of that is the very nature of the OSs and how they're designed that the Mac is just more resilient over time than Windows with its DLLs and and all that sort of madness that's still going on over there. Mac OS is simpler in a lot of ways, and that makes it a, a more stable platform over the long haul. I, I had a, um, a, a PC diehard at my old firm who, you know, called me the Mac guy and made fun of my toy computer and all that. And then we did a trial together, and what sold him was the fact that I would open my laptop, my MacBook, and it just instantly turned on and started working. And then he would open his Dell. And it would take them 30 seconds before he could actually type on it. Yeah. And, and sitting next to me watching that every day at the end of the, the trial, he's like, okay, which one should I get? Yeah. You, you know, you, you broke him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And, and what's cool too about Mac OS with Intel Macs is if you do need Windows or Linux for particular things, you can virtualize very easily. And so if you have part of like the company workflow that is a Windows app that you have to run, you can still get a Mac and just dip into Windows for those sort of things via Parallels or Fusion or even Boot Camp where you can't go the other way around. So that makes the Mac more flexible if you need to run multiple operating systems. And of course, if you're a developer, the Mac is a great place to work because you have all the Unix underpinnings. You have the uh, command line there ready for you. Now, Windows 10 has brought a lot of that to the table and like, Newer versions of Windows 10 even include like Ubuntu under the hood. It's doing some really neat stuff. But the Mac has been home for to a lot of different types of development for a long time. And it means that you're part of a bigger ecosystem of people who have dealt with issues that may come up. So you have a, a really good community of Mac users to tap into for support where you have that on the PC side as well, but it's more fragmented, I think, and where the Mac community just seems like a lot more willing to help each other. However... If you convince them and they say, okay, get your Mac, you've got to own it. And on behalf of all of us Mac users, you have to make it work. You're going to have some little problems. So make sure if you want to do this that you've, uh, you've thought it through and that you've, you're going to be able to make it a successful purchase. Yeah, you don't want to be the reason this boss never lets Macs in the company again. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be that person. Yeah. And then there's a whole different discussion about the IT department. I mean, oh yeah, uh, it used to be most IT departments were hostile to Max. I don't think that's just true anymore. I think that... Um, I think it's slowly breaking of, down. You know, it yeah. uh, depends on the industry you're in massively. But I think if you're just kind of doing, you know, knowledge worker type stuff in an office, look, you can do it with basically anything. You can do it with a Chromebook <laughs> if you had to. Uh, it's just, I think, more in the bigger companies, they move slower. I know... The biggest company I ever worked for when I was at the Salvation Army, big international organization, and they were very not into the Mac. And I brought a lot of Macs in to the Memphis area sort of under the radar because I was willing to support them, right? But then when I yeah. left, that wasn't true of the next guy. So that's always a factor. You know, the size of the business may honestly be the biggest hindrance to this. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I, I wrote a blog post about this years ago. I, I went and spoke at a, a fancy law firm. You know, sometimes they asked me to come give them a talk about how to use their iPads or whatever. So I went in and, and did a talk and I showed up with all my stuff and 
I plugged in the projector with my MacBook and it didn't work. They called down the IT guy and he took one look and he's like, oh, you're Mac. You're Mac. You're, you know, that, that was all he would say. It's like, I'm Mac. Yeah. I'm no, actually, I'm David, but I have a Mac. No, no, you're Mac. That's <laughs> why is it not working? Cause you're Mac. Uh, fortunately, I got there early enough. I ran down to my car cause I always bring an extra toolbox and I got a replacement HDMI cable, you know, and I re- replaced the cable and then it worked. It was just, he had a bad cable, but the IT guy, just as, as soon as he saw the Mac, the, you know, his, that's just, that's all, that was the end of his troubleshooting process. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's ridiculous. And, and, and you can, you can bump into that. So you got to be careful. And, and I find when you get with guys like that, um, just don't be super aggressive about it, but just, you know, just quietly get your work done. Yeah. You can do it, Steve. Be a trailblazer. Yeah. Let us know how it goes, Steve. Let us know. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea, complete with a unique domain name, the use of award-winning templates, and more. So think through a project that you want to do. Think about all the components that it may require. An online store with secure checkout, maybe a portfolio to show off your work, or a blog for you to share your great ideas. Where Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that could let you do all of those things all on one site. The best part is you don't have to become some sort of server admin to do this. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades are needed. Squarespace has all of that covered. Now, if you do run into questions, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. Their system allows you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great content. I've been using Squarespace for a long time on a bunch of different projects, and one cool feature that power users may really appreciate is that you're not stuck to the things that they let you customize in the templates. Now, the templates are beautiful, and there's lots of customization, but if you need to go further, they have tools like custom CSS override, and you can inject JavaScript. You can really make it your own. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com MPU. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. I'd like to thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of RelayFM. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website. Steven, buy anything new? <laughs> just one thing. Just one one little thing. So I think people will probably know that I have a uh, studio that I do, you know, podcasting, but video and audio as well. And as part of that studio, I built a table that I can shoot uh, smaller objects from above. In fact, I'm going to put in the show notes a YouTube video that I did after I built it showing how it works if you know if you're interested or you're having trouble visualizing this. But one trouble one thing I've had trouble with is lighting. So I have a product, you know, an iPod or whatever on the desk and the camera's right above it so I can shoot straight down and I found that extremely difficult to light uh, the way that I wanted to and it was really frustrating. I tried a bunch of different things, but then I had a realization that this problem has been solved before in in the the body of what is called a, a ring light. So this is a, an LED fixture that looks like a donut, basically. 
And uh, so I, I, I found one that fit around the lens that I use on my camera for this. And uh, there's a link in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, I bought it from B&H Photo. It's a 10-inch LED donut, effectively. This one happens to be battery-powered. I can change the color temperature. It's fancier than I need it to be, but it was the right size. And now I can light things from above in a way that doesn't create shadows and doesn't create glare in the camera because I'm shooting kind of actually behind the front edge of the lens, so there's no there's no glare from this. And it lights everything on the surface nice and evenly. And uh, there's a link in the show notes that is called Let There Be Light. And it's just a picture I had on Instagram of this setup. So you can see my camera mounted, shooting straight down through the ring light. And there's a Newton on the desk. And you can see how nicely it is illuminated. You can see also that I have a, a small Samsung uh, LCD in the window that so I use as my viewfinder because I obviously can't see the viewfinder of the camera because it's mounted like behind a two by. So I can't actually see it. Um, so I'm really excited about this. This has not made it into a production yet. Uh, I just set this up this week. I'm going to work on a video in August, hopefully, but uh, any overhead shots that you see on my YouTube channel or on the blog now will be lit this way. And I'm just, I'm really happy with it. Yeah. It's funny when you, you know, solve a problem like that, it feels so good. And, you know, granted, this isn't cheap, but it's not like expensive, like lighting you would think would be, right? No. This is a little over 200 bucks. I mean, with LED lighting now, it, it's super cheap to, to get decent lighting mm-hmm. for not only like your YouTube videos, but maybe even just like if you want to shoot some family pictures, you can oh, get yeah. one of these lights. I I have some off the lookup. I'll give you the link for the show notes. These lights I bought, they're like $60 panels. I have a couple of them. And they run on a battery, and when I do the the videos for the field guides or some of the YouTube stuff, I'll just get one out and stick it on a stand and put it in a convenient place. And it's just not that expensive to light yourself anymore. No, it's not. Lighting I still find to be difficult in the sense that I don't really have any training on it, so I've kind of figured it out. But uh, the the equipment definitely is a lot cheaper than uh, it used to be. Now, you can still spend all of the money. Right? There's no upper limit to any of this stuff. But to get something decent that's going to get you know get you well lit and easy to manage, like the, like I said, this is battery powered. My other light panels I use for videos are also battery powered now. It's not a huge investment the way it used to be. Yeah, well, like even the video I did on the voice control, um, I used a window for my lighting. So one half of my face looks great and the other half looks a little dark. And I, I should have set up a panel for it, but I didn't. But yeah, I, I, by far my worst... The worst part about any video I make is usually the lighting. It's tough. Yeah. Um, so I spent money too. Oh boy. <laughs> well, no, it, it's kind of uh, your fault. No, it's not your fault. Uh, we so we went to um, to WWDC. We got asked by Apple to do that interview. It was awesome. We got to go spend time with all the new Mac Pros. And I'm not interested in buying a six thousand dollar monitor or no. a six thousand dollar computer. I'm good, you know. But the um. Oh, by the way, did you? Uh, has your thinking evolved on that? You were still a little bit on the fence. I'm, I'm on the f- I'm on the fence about the Mac Pro. Still, yeah. Okay, I thought you were over it at this point. No, I'm on the fence. I I want really what I want to see is like the base model is actually not as powerful as my iMac Pro. Like the GPU yeah. is worse and it has less RAM, or or I think the same amount of RAM but less storage. So I want to see to spec one up better than my iMac Pro. What's that going to cost? And when I see that it's nine thousand dollars. That'll make the decision for me, and I will stay with the <laughs> with the iMac Pro. But for now, 
Uh, I just, I just, I just, I don't have enough information to make a decision. Yeah, I, I don't see one in your future. <laughs> I really, <laughs> just it, a... I really like the iMac Pro, and like I'm not buying that display, and I don't know what I'd hook up to it. So I think, yeah. I think you're probably right. The iMac Pro will continue to to be my machine for a long time, but I just uh, want to see what is what it's going to be like. You know, it is interesting though, when you think about it. If they made a monitor of the quality of a 5K iMac, or maybe even a 6K monitor, but without the $6,000 price tag, but maybe like a thousand or $1,500 price tag, just a, a really high quality monitor, but not a reference monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may sell more units of the Mac pro. I mean, cause I do think there are some people that are going to stay away just because there's no yeah. appropriate monitor for them. I mean, that could be me. Uh, I wrote, I wrote that actually at WBC, like make a 5k Thunderbolt display. And even if they charged, Two thousand dollars, which is too high for this, you know. I think it really is probably like sixteen or eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like you get this display and you get a free computer if you buy an iMac at that price. But yeah. you know, no matter what, no matter what they charge for this, it's going to look like the deal of the century compared to the Pro Display XDR. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you. I think they should. There's clearly room for a more reasonable display from Apple. And maybe they will release it. We don't know. I, I mean, hope so. But but either way, I I you know that. It was never a question for me. The iMac Pro is... I am an edge case for needing the iMac Pro. I am definitely not someone who needs the Mac Pro. It's not always about need, David. It's not always about need. I know. I know. I get it, man. I totally get it. I, <laughs> I used to have this conversation with Katie all the time. It's like, but it's my thing, right? You know, mm-hmm. I don't play golf. I don't have fancy cars. I want to have a really cool computer. I want to have a really cool iOS device. So I have two iPad Pros. I get it. Um, but one of the things I did admire going through that room was all those beautiful pixels at those workstations. And I never really saw myself as anybody needing more than one monitor, but I think last year or the year before, I bought a second monitor that I put up vertically to the right of my computer. And if you go to uh, the Max Barkey slash gear page, I don't remember the name of it. I'll look it up. But the um, if you go, we'll put it in show notes. But I have a page that shows the stuff I have. And um, there's a monitor hanging off the right side. It's like one ear. You know, it's like uh, uh, my computer. And, and I just put reference stuff up there. It's my calendar. It's my um, OmniFocus list. You know, largely those are the two main things that are there, but they're always available for me. And um, I got thinking, what if I put another ear on this iMac? <laughs> you know, because you know, I was looking at this the setups that the pros were using, and having more pixels does help. I mean, I get it how easy it is to switch between virtual desktops and everything, but I've got a big desk. I've already, you know, if you've gone to one, why not two, right? Sure. So, and they're not that expensive. I mean, these uh, I'm using these Dell 4K monitors. Um, that are made really they can be vertical or horizontal but i turn them vertical and they're kind of narrow that way but Mm -hmm. so i just ordered the exact same one again and i and i did get another um uh uh, arm stamp monitor arm stand from amazon i think the whole thing was about 400 bucks to do the whole rig and i put it up and then i said well let me just do it you know amazon has a return policy so let me just try it for a couple weeks and immediately I was like, oh yeah, this works. So uh, I've got two Dell 4K monitors on top of my 5K iMac. And so now what have I got? I've got a, uh, I got a, I got 13K. (laughs) 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 Got all the case. And uh, I sent a picture to Steven and his immediate response to me was, please tell me they're the same brand monitor. Yeah. They have to be identical. (laughs) Yeah. And they are. They are. That's good. 
And uh, it's great. I So what I do with the left one now, so the right one is reference. So it's the right one is calendar, OmniFocus, and occasionally um, Safari, if I'm using it, Safari as a reference. Okay. And then the left one is communications. So I've got Slack, messages, uh, you know, Basecamp, all the stuff I use to communicate with people over there. And I made even more keyboard maestro macros so I can just tap a couple keys and and fly apps around these 13K of, of screen. And the center screen remains the place that I do my work. But I've just got reference to the right and left. You know, I call it mm. the full Al Gore. Uh, but the, uh, I'm really happy with the purchase. And, it, you know, my computer is a little overwhelming now when you look at it. Especially yeah. then when you, you stick an iPad underneath it. But... <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot of pixels, brother. But the uh, but I like it, and I'm happy with the purchase. I I don't think I would now that I've had the benefit of this. I think I'll 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 keep it. You're a madman. Yeah, I know you don't approve. I don't. <laughs> I just, I can't. For for a while, I did like the MacBook to the side with Thunderbolt display. Yeah, and it, it was fine. But I just I really well. A my desk is not as big as yours, uh, and I yeah. have lamps on the edges. So yeah. I, it would be tricky for me to put another display on this desk, but I just, I don't feel the the need for it, but I'm glad you're happy with it. I'm glad they match so we can continue to do the show together. Uh, <laughs> if you bought like a Samsung on one side and a Dell on the other, uh, I would have had a heart attack. Well, it is, I had to turn them because I, I don't want to see the Dell logo. Mm-hmm. So I like the way I put them up, the, the, the monitors, the, the black rim of the monitor goes behind the iMac on each edge, <laughs> you know, and I had to turn them. So the Dell logo was on, you know, on the side facing the iMac. Right. So that took some work, actually. I but bet. I don't see any Dell. It's just a black edge in my head. They're just extensions of the iMac. Sure. You know, they're, they're not as good. The The screen quality of the iMac is amazing. And uh, and like when I do dimness and brightness, these don't really obey. So right. there's a couple of things I don't like about it. But um, I do like having the reference information and I work so much at this computer and I do so many different things with this computer that uh, it works out okay for me. I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm glad you're happy the, with it. The other thing is I had to evict Yoda. I had a little Yoda on my desk before. Now I had Now he's over on a different desk because no room. It made me a little sad. Sorry, Yoda. All right. So we both spent some money this month. It sounds like we did not too much. Uh, check back in September. <laughs> Amazon Prime Day, baby. I didn't do a single thing on Prime Day. Not a, not a single thing on Prime Day, but, you know, new iPhones are right around the corner, so. I bought some batteries, because I am the Johnny Appleseed of batteries. Can't have too many. Well, my kids are old enough now that, you know, they. it seems like they always need a new external battery. I think in, I think in schools, like colleges and high schools, batteries are like the prison equivalent of cigarettes. <laughs> Yeah, everybody, everybody wants, because all teenagers keep their phones at 5% at all times. So if you've got a battery with a cord on it, you know, everybody wants to, to borrow it. So I feel like I've, I've bought more of those than I should have, but either way, I bought some of those on Amazon Prime. I'm stocked up for the next year now. It's good. It just disappear, right? You hand it out and it's gone forever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, feedback shows, always fun. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for sending your feedback in. If we see you this weekend, make sure to say hello. We are both really looking forward to MacStock. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, 1Password, Omnigroup, Linode, and Squarespace. And we will see you next week. <laughs>